Hi, my name's Katie Gregg. And I'm Teresa Mamarella. Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Good Development. Today we have a special treat for you, a live conversation recorded at DevNexus, the largest Java conference in the U.S. That's right, folks, we've gone rogue. You'll hear from distinguished leaders in the tech industry, Aaron Schnabel, distinguished engineer at Red Hat and Java champion, Emily Jang, STSM, cloud native architect and advocate at IBM and a Java champion, Mary Grigleski, developer advocate at Datastax and Java champion, and Holly Cummins, senior principal engineer at Red Hat and Java champion. Join us as they share their insights in getting into tech, embracing lifelong learning and thriving in this fast paced industry. You'll experience the speakers in their element, unwinding after a day of knowledge sharing, surrounded by the sounds of engaging conversation and the aroma of fresh coffee. You'll also enjoy some lighthearted moments, such as technical glitches, stories about their careers taking them far and wide, and insights into being a leader. We hope that you'll discover the journey matters more than the destination, regardless of where you come from and what privileges you may have. Dedication to your craft and the power of dreams can help you forge your own unique path. So grab your headphones, prepare to laugh, and be inspired. You won't want to miss this one. I'm Erin Schnabel. I was at IBM for 21 years. I'm at Red Hat for three-ish, almost. Um, I'm a distinguished engineer now. Oh, gosh. I think I got. I started when my dad brought home my first, our first computer when I was eight. What computer was it? I actually have it on my Twitter feed. It was a portable, those on the podcast cannot see the giant air quotes. It was a port, it had a handle, but the thing was like 20 pounds. Wow. And it had two five and a quarter floppy drives, those oh, big ones. That right like, on. No RAM. It had like the little flip up monitor, which we immediately took off. But, yeah. but it, I mean, the thing was like 50 pounds portable computer. So your parents were kind of ahead of the times then if they had a computer. It was like a cast off from work that my dad, that was like all of our first things was dad bringing home things from work that they didn't need anymore. (laughs) That's awesome. And so then the next computer, like uh, it was, oh gosh, probably a 386 and I was the one that put the modem in it. But like I taught myself to type playing King's Quest because if you typed more, you had to type correctly or you would die. And then you had to type all the spells right before the wizard came home. That sounds way more entertaining than like Mavis Bacon that I had when I was. Oh, I had that too. Mavis Bacon, we had that too. We had we had like both, but it was definitely more entertaining to try to type all the spells really fast before the wizard came home. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, (laughs) Holly. I think I might have had the same computer as everyone. <laughs> so yeah, my um, so neither of my parents are in technology, but my dad really had an interest in technology. So again, at some point, he like brought home this computer, and it was yeah, it was a box like the size of a large bread bin, and it was called portable, and really it was like a suitcase. Like yeah, it was a box the size of a suitcase, and it like you could sort of unfold it, and it was this CPM machine, and there was this game on it, which was the most amazing game I've ever played. It was like a little text level game it was very cute um but i didn't i didn't immediately go into technology um i did physics in university and then i stayed in university until it wasn't practical to stay in university any longer um and then i realized i had to get a job so (laughs) i um i realized that all of the problems i'd been doing i'd been sort of trying to turn into computer problems even though i was studying physics so i thought rather than like trying to sneak computers in i could actually just get paid for 
playing with computers. Um, and I think it's incredibly lucky because I still get paid to play with computers. Holly should not be shy. That that PhD in physics is in quantum. Mm-hmm. So Perhaps. just... Well, I think my eyes are like... <laughs> right now. Holly's going to undersell her physics here. <laughs> okay. All right, Mary. Okay, so mine may be a little longer, but okay. So I actually grew up with a crazy brother. Um, Turned out that uh, two years ago, he was diagnosed finally, you know, at age 60. He actually has um, autism, some autism spectrum. But anyway, he's just extremely talented in computer stuff or any kind of, you know, digital technology, electronics, mechanical. He would take things apart and put things back. It's just his natural thing. But the rest of his life, is just handicapped. He cannot do any other thing. But that's his him. Anyway, so I grew up with him, but at the time didn't know, you know, he just has this special, everybody knew he was smart, but nobody knew he had that autism kind of missing piece. Anyway, so it seems like too, whatever he said, right, he would naturally um, has some weight in what he said. So when I was growing up, actually, he would be such a snob. He, I asked him question. How do I solve this math problem? All these things. And he would be like, I'm not going to tell you because you're a girl. You won't understand. <laughs> he really said that. I remember it was just like got me mad. And I remember going on space mission. That was something we like used to like to play. We would mm-hmm. put chairs and then he's, oh, we're going on space mission. He's older, by the way. So older by, by three years or something. Anyway, then he was just saying that, okay, I want, I will be the captain. And I said, I want to be. And he would never let me. So anyway, so I was kind of developing a bit of a resistance against technology just because of him. I felt like, okay, that's his space. I don't want to deal with him. So I didn't do anything with it until I got to college and I decided to come to the U.S. And so I came here at first too. I thought I'd major in sports physiology because I was very active in sports. But then there was chances to work with computers. And of course, too, for me, uh, growing up in Hong Kong, I did not really have much exposure anyway to computers back then. And because PC was just coming out at, at that time. So in my case, too, is that I got to the college and there was like student information systems. You need to enter all your stuff. It's starting to get into computers. But that, actually, that was running IBM mainframe. <laughs> I remember. But it was fascinating to me. So I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. And you actually enter something. And the old style is request response. So I kind of like, OK, enter your name and your address, all these things. So I was doing it and I thought, well, this is fascinating. I never had it before, but I was very good in math. So then I thought, well, maybe, you know, the first year I didn't go straight to computers, but I did take an introductory to computer course. And actually the professor who taught me actually turned out to be a distinguished engineer at IBM. And I found that I was so funny. I said, oh, wow, you're the first one to get me into computers. And I took his class. So anyway, he, he was very good, too. So I think that's how I became interested. And then I switched my major in my sophomore year as a result. So so that's how I got in. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, so ever since then, I've been in computers, <laughs> working with it, <laughs> like it or not. And now I'm an advocate, and, which I really love, absolutely love. So, yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Emma? I shared that, that the story at this morning's uh, Women in Tech at Nexus, the, the conference. Uh, actually, I, ha- I have completely different uh, background with uh, all of you because uh, I grew up in China. Like in the nowadays, China is pretty modern, like uh, things developed so fast. But back 30 years ago, really underdeveloped. I have not even seen a computer before I went to university. 
Uh, so wow. basically, the first time I heard the computer is uh, uh, like uh, after I finished my A-level study. Uh, also, I basically my family is quite poor. One thing I want to do is I want to earn a lot of money. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, so, so he said, oh, okay, because I, I did really well like uh, in schools, A-levels, so I can choose the um, best, most popular subjects, mm -hmm. so which is computing. Mm -hmm. And also is, I said, I want to go to the most uh, like uh, the modern places which is Shanghai. So mm -hmm. I choose uh, like Shanghai and I study computing. So my starting level is kind of like a few years behind, but I, I know I can do it. I, I said in my heart, no, that's, that's kind of even now it's difficult for me, but um, I can learn. So it's um, basically I kind of learn, learn fast and also I find myself is interested in it and I can get all the logics and et cetera. Yeah, I'm uh, quite happy and uh, did my degree. And then uh, I went to university to be a lecturer. I started teaching uh, computing, uh, teaching programming. And then quite comfortably uh, living a happy life. And then my husband said, oh, I want to go to the um, uh, UK <laughs> to do something different. So basically, at that time, like, uh, I threw away all the things I built up in China and uh, started to build up my English skills. Yeah. <laughs> because in, like in China, I can read and, and uh, write English without any problem. However, I didn't practice speaking and didn't even understand anything uh, like much about uh, speaking either. So when I go to the UK, basically I've become like uh, basically don't understand people and nobody understand me. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely, uh, I finally climbed up to like uh, halfway and uh, boom, I dropped to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. so uh, and then I went to um, uh, university, so did uh, my master's degree at the same time and learned like um, English as well. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, kind of the, mainly the reading, uh, like a, uh, reading and uh, writing, so it's uh, not writing, uh, listening, listening comprehension and speaking. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, also learned, uh, basically learned Java, learned all the things. In China, I, because, uh, beginning of the 90s, I think Java was not heard in China either. So I started to learn, learn Java and self-taught Java. Java. And uh, I studied really hard, so I did well in the uh, uh, yeah Reading University. And then I was lucky because I did well, and then also I can do computing and I got a job. And I've been working in other companies, and then gradually I got a job in IBM as experience, not as a graduate. I took an exam and get through all the interviews, and et cetera. I've been working. Uh, for IBM, uh, like uh, 16 years, I think. Mm. I, oh. Yeah, I love it. That's impressive, too. Yeah. So I have to say, ask, are you like a lifelong learner? Because I feel like learning a new language and learning computing at the same time, like my brain would be just bleeding <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like that's a lot. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a, if you choose the computing, you have to, you have to. learn yes. every all day. All yeah, all, all the time. time. I please share you like the other story because I went to Shanghai, so it's a finance and economics, and uh, a lot of them and left the computing 
uh, went to work for banks, for accounting. The only one of the big um, kind of the attraction point is uh, they don't have to learn every day. When they heard, oh, Emily is still working uh, like a programming. Are you mad? Is it like, uh, <laughs> is it still learning? You should enjoy the life. The best yeah. thing since sliced yeah. bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I know it's time to shift roles if yeah. I stop learning. Yeah. So this is one of the best uh, things. If you are in IT, you have to keep learning. And then nothing yeah. is boring, right? That's right. It's, yeah. it's yeah. kind of nice. I yeah, and I feel right. like we're coming at these shows anyways, and all of you are speakers. Mm -hmm. So it's like constantly educating people. Like people are coming here to learn, but you guys are also going to learn at some of these other talks. Oh, no. oh totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> so what has been most interesting? We're all at DevNexus. Um, what interesting talks have you guys been to today? Or yesterday? Anything stand out? Mine might be biased just because I was real busy. My talk was just happened, just happened, so I didn't have time. Except then my colleagues presenting. It's actually on Pulsar Client for Apache uh, for Spring, so I should say. But that was new to some new library. So that's where I went to. I thought that went very well. But but that's kind of biased yeah, <laughs> from what I have to say. It's a bit of a niche thing, a yeah. topic. Yeah. Fair. So we yeah. ask what everybody talked about. Well, yeah, we were all too busy to go to talks. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> like, I think yeah. I assumed I haven't had done, done I, to I any talks. I went to a couple talks, but it was uh, so DevNexus actually is a learning experience for me uh, for the last couple years, but that's basically um, because I do conference driven development. So for the last couple <laughs> years, I have deliberately submitted yeah. talks for things I don't know on purpose. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so that means cool. I have to. That means I have <laughs> to learn it and write the thing and be able to articulate it. But it also means when I'm standing up there that anybody else that doesn't know it, I didn't know it either. So I'm not <laughs> coming at it from a point of being the expert, right? But I think I mean I think that can be a really strong way of doing. I mean, not necessarily doing it at the last minute in it from a position of panic, um, <laughs> but like that's what I do. You know, I've been there too. But I, but, but like I, sometimes I've seen talks from people who really know something so well, and they don't understand what you don't get because it was so long ago that it was confusing yeah, to them. Whereas when you're coming to it new, you can sort of really articulate. Okay, here's the gotchas. Here's the bit that's not obvious. You know, I tripped yeah. over this, but here's how you fix it. Mm -hmm. That is really true. Yeah. Then the other thing that I recommend people do, I do it every year because I'm stubborn, is mm -hmm. Advent of Code. What yes. is that? It's yeah. the best. Yeah. So yeah. it is an Advent calendar, but for people who are nerds that like to write code. Uh, in fairness, so nobody yeah. beats themselves up, I only get through day like 16 because yeah. then my family comes. But it's, you know, it's like an Advent calendar. You get a new puzzle yeah. every day. But my, my game, the way I play it, is not for speed. Some people are like, I want to be able to do oh. it two hours. No, 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 no. That's not the way me and my do. friends play. We deliberately handicap ourselves every year. We do it in a language we do not know. So what was it last year? So actually the last two years I did Rust. Oh. And the th two years before that I did Go. So I didn't know either of those. Ironically, the language I still don't know is Python. I don't know how to finish that one, but I don't know Python. To learn. So like last, the last two years, and I meant to do, like I was intending, fully intending to, to like, just use boxes, which in Rust is using the heap, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do everything with boxes. But then I'm like, I don't even remember the syntax. So I guess I'm just back to basic Rust this year because I don't remember anything from last year. But what I found is if you do that, even if you just make it through the first couple of days with a totally different language, the nature of the puzzles 
it's very algorithm centric. Like if you took algorithm classes from a million years ago, you can either try to brute force or use one of the libraries, your call. But by the time you're done, you know the basics of the language. That's true. That's cool. And so that's why I do yeah. it. So I do it with a different language every year or a language that I don't know. And I use that as a reason to that's learn smart. the new thing. Yeah. I had one year where my husband's a very beginner programmer and I was doing Advent of Code in Java and he was doing it in Python. And it was really fun to then compare mm. the different mm. approaches we had sure. and how the languages handled those some of those problems. Yeah, so with my with my crew, my sister last year was doing Python. My friend Jeremy was doing TypeScript because he does TypeScript otherwise. Um, Ozzy was doing streams. He was doing everything Java stream. Everything wow. had to be a stream, <laughs> which was ludicrous. Like, absolutely ludicrous the way, the way those came out. And then uh, we had, oh gosh, Elon was doing... Elon and some of the other folks, they do the craziest. We had somebody doing Kotlin and we had somebody doing Crystal and someone else doing Julia, like the most random assortment of languages. But then we can all compare notes and they are all very different, which is just... That would be interesting to compare. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, that's how that language works. And it's mm. it's really cool. Yeah, there was a, a suggestion they learn new uh, programming language each year. So that's uh, make you think uh, like uh, the languages you are using, uh, I mean, from different angle. So it's a, mm. yeah, it's a great. The one thing is I want to share is uh, I was a lecturer. Basically, I became a lecturer immediately after my university graduation and a teacher and a graduate in a different university. You know, it's in the universities, if you like these four years you learn so many things, actually, just the surface. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, uh, like, uh, go to the, like, uh, a platform <laughs> to uh, do a one-hour presentation and uh, with the very minimal knowledge I learned in one single subject. Because a single subject, you just learn, like, a one hour per per week and sometimes it's mm -hmm. not much i think in that like this is a transform to be the like a presentation to be a conference talking actually you have to think like okay i need to educate others if i want to give one hour like a knowledge actually myself i need to put a, maybe at least 50 hours, 100 hours. Like mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I think in that two years, I, I studied uh, many books. I think it's, I studied probably eight year, years, like uh, undergraduate uh, courses mm -hmm. in that, like a uh, two year like um, lecturing uh, mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. So it's not so much the going to the talks, that's, that does give some continuous learning, but the writing talks is also hugely beneficial. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think definitely, I think like Aaron says, if you do something that's brand new, it's actually even better. And actually, that's what's happening to me these days. Oh, yeah, I haven't done it. Okay, let me write a talk and write it up. And then, and then I wait until the last minute. Oh, my gosh, I got to do it. So, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But somehow, too, it works for me, too. I have to yeah. be under pressure. Then all of a sudden, it comes in. <laughs> then I'll be all focused. <laughs> yeah, yeah like that. force so, you to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, how, that's how I usually do mine, too. So, yeah. 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 Sometimes, like, this is why it's, uh, like, uh, goal setting is ever so important. You set a goal. Actually, at that time, it's, uh, oh, that's a good goal. I set it up. And yeah. then it's kind of, oh, I need to achieve that. And then, uh, yeah, if you don't set a goal, oh, yeah, oh, 
no bother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a conference talk is accountability and action, isn't it? Because yeah. otherwise, you know, you set the goals and you're like, well, maybe I do it, maybe I don't. But yeah, with a conference talk, right. if you don't do it, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. public humiliation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, all of you who are leaders, right? Some of you are Java champions. You're deeply technical leaders in this. All of us. I think all of us are. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, sure. oh, of course. <laughs> I know this is a newsflash all yeah. of a sudden, but <laughs> here we are. And I was just curious, you know, what other things have you seen along your journey into leadership roles that has helped you get there? So lifelong learning seems to obviously be a key theme in all of your lives, but is there anything else that has kind of helped you on that journey to leadership? I mean, I think it's about lifelong learning for us, but then making sure that there's lifelong learning for those around us as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of what defines a leader is, is bringing people with them, mm -hmm. um, sharing that love of learning, but then also actually sharing the particular elements of learning and and, and, the, and the flip as well. Mm -hmm. So so part of it is, you know, teaching the people around you, mm -hmm. but then it's also learning from the people around you because often they know more about it than you. Mm -hmm. And so then it's giving them that, that opportunity to be a teacher, which then mm -hmm. grows them in a different way too. It is yeah. true. It's like the see one, do one, teach one yeah. kind of yeah. mindset where you're like, mm. okay, I'll learn this and see yeah. if I really know it to teach them what it mm. Yeah, I think definitely teaching. Plus also I, I um, lead the Chicago Java Users Group. So it's a technical community. So so I think that's where too I feel, you know, it's kind of becomes kind of spontaneous. I have to be leading, I have to be making decisions or people coming to me and speakers and partners and sponsors, all these things. So yeah, definitely too. I think running a technical community too definitely helps too with, yeah. with like leadership training, kind of self-learning, <laughs> self things. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the other thing is for defining to be a leader. The other thing is okay. Uh, I think the common understanding is okay. Oh, you are great at all time. I think the other thing is the leader need to make sure when they are, they are not there things will continue to be on yeah, the right track. Absolutely. So that's really, in the beginning, I thought, okay, uh, yeah, every crisis, I jump up. I said, oh, yeah, we need to do this. And then eventually, they first find out, like, I think, oh, defer the decision to me is doing this, this. I don't want to be the bottleneck, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I just like, uh, I want to sometimes move on to do other things. So that's why sometimes I sit back, as, uh, yeah, uh, like uh, some people, directly pointed uh, like at me and said, oh, can someone else, uh, I directly put their name up and uh, can you go and uh, help it out? Like uh, basically you like uh, leave some space for others mm. to go there and so, so you mm -hmm. can move on to be another leader. So basically uh, uh, broaden your vision as well. So this is very that's important. That's true. I, th I think that's a good point though about leaving that space mm -hmm. for someone to learn too. Yeah. And you have to factor in the fact too, that people all have different learning styles. Sure. So like some are visual, I'm an auditorial learner. And then what's the other one? Kinetic? Like touching, get just yeah. rolling up your sleeves and doing it. Mm -hmm. I think your your site says you just love being up in elbows and codes. Yeah, so maybe that's your learning stop. style. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't I can't learn from YouTube. That's why I do conference driven development. I must be thrown in. Yeah. I, I must be tried. thrown in. Yeah. I can't I can't. No, that's not entirely true. I have had cases where um I needed to bootstrap on a topic really fast. And so I did ingest the entire internet worth of YouTube conference recordings about a topic because it's like, 
there's only so many hours in the day and I still have to fold laundry and do dishes and do other like human grown up adult things. So I actually, at QCon last week, um, I was asked to do a talk about career development and my whole career journey. So this whole conversation is uh, kind of surreal to revisit on that. But I had, um, my dad is amazing. And he had a couple of things that he would always say that really shaped how I grew as a person. Um, one of them was to Emily's point, you train your replacement. So you always train who's going to step in after you because that means you can leave and you don't leave yeah. any, you, you train your placement. Um, he also said never to stay anywhere for longer than five years. I obviously blew that because I stayed at IBM for 21. But to that point, like we moved around. Liberty was maybe seven. I had five years on the pieces before Liberty, probably before that. I had five years-ish on some of the traditional WebSphere stuff before that. So it was about every five years changing to try to do something new. Um, his point was very much like at the same company. Cause he was always like, uh, if you stay there for longer than five years, it just gets harder and harder for you to leave because they have all the incentives and all the other reasons for you not to go. He wasn't wrong. I didn't listen to him. That's fine. Um, those were the two big ones, but my dad also, I always had around the kitchen table, a very, and uh, I, I worked closely with two of the people at this table with Holly and Emily. And they both know how assertive I am at the always very strong voice. My dad doesn't tolerate bullies. And I grew up with stories of him coming home because he was in the automotive industry in the eighties, right? Spicy time to be alive. And, and he would always like, if a bully left an opening, he would take it to show every, to not to like, re-bully the bully but to basically show everybody else this person's just a bully you don't have to be afraid of them kind of thing so i've never had any fear ever ever that and it's like thanks dad and i showed him i had to do this pre-recording for the session and i gave it to my dad and she's like i was just trying not to screw up too bad i'm like you are so adorable (laughs) but it's it's like everything about how i approach I really, I'm concerned for my 70s is all I'm saying because I am turning into my father. <laughs> it's like, whoa. You had an interesting story this morning about learning to be more assertive and vocal to grow in your leadership. Yeah. Do you want to share that one? Because I thought it was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, basically, it's, um, again, a, a different background. I grew up in China, so it's uh, one I can understand the things. People, the adults, all the people surrounding me saying being a girl, especially being a child, especially being a girl, you should be quiet. Listen, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't speak up. So I learned, but basically I learned to be quiet. So it's from a very early, early age. I mean, like the people, even in the, like my relatives and etc., felt I'm really quiet. Basically, like from school and etc., become really quiet. I can like do exams and etc. It's like I can get good marks. And then I went to university and then like again came to the UK, and uh, like in the meetings I don't talk much. But like one thing is because I want to be modest. Be quiet, <laughs> and then you find out like uh, basically people talked over uh, me, and sometimes they don't ask my opinions anymore. They just ignore me. Feel I don't have any opinion, and then the, I find out my career actually it's like a static, static. And suddenly I realized actually what is this said is not, not basically I have better ideas. I should speak up. 
and uh, basically it's uh, probably is in the last uh, I would say probably uh, how many years seven or eight years I started this talking mm-hmm. <laughs> basically talking in the meetings and etc and then is uh, my career just shoot up and then it's like why the senior um, uh, like uh, colleagues uh, like uh, asking me the questions or ask you something really strange question this is a question I feel other people also get a similar uh, like uh, yeah similar question where have you been why I haven't heard of you in the past like uh, you have been you have been for more than 10 years where have you been and why I haven't heard uh, heard of you nobody even mentioned you in the past so this is really important so basically uh, Especially for women in IT, speak up. Visibility and sharing opinions has been important. Yeah, very important. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Mary? Me, I think. I think one thing I do have to say, I think initially, too, I didn't like to talk. In fact, I remember myself that I'm just not interested in talking with other people. And but it is true over time, right? As I get older, um, also too, kind of feeling the need to something is missing. But I didn't realize. And I also think it's because earlier on in my career, I was mostly with guys. It's always like I'm the only, I was the only woman or maybe one or two, something. Mm-hmm. And and there were some places that were nice, but also most of the places too, maybe people around me weren't talking too much themselves. In fact, there was one place, yeah, sort of a, not a startup, but they kind of changing into a bit more from, you know, they, they make actually jukebox and they're playing music. So I was actually doing server software for them, but then they are modernizing to digital. So I was in that team. The guys were really smart, six guys, but we would be working sort of like startup company. You have a big table, you're sitting around each other, right? And even talking among ourselves, instead of going and talking or yelling out, people were all typing, <laughs> messaging each other. You tell you're like AIM. Yeah, that's right. But I think that's also the time I started realizing why did they talk and then why didn't I talk? And I think I started doing something. But still, like if the people around you isn't, you know, if it doesn't have the culture, then it's probably not the right place for me to be at. So I didn't stay there for too long. It was a great place to learn. The guys were really smart. But yeah. but then I didn't stay too long. I knew I had to move on to some other place. And and then I did get some chances. I Actually, the before I joined IBM, I was at a place doing a bit more technical architecture, so a bit more like interacting with people. And then I also started helping with C-Drug, Chicago Drug. So I think that really helped to C-Drug because then at the time they had lightning talks. And I remember the very first time, 2016, I decided, okay, somehow I had this drive wanting to do a talk for some reason. I think it must be something in me was just suppressed for the longest time. So I was just more scared and unconsciously scared. And I but then there was this calling, felt like I should be doing a talk, and there was some topic I wanted to talk about. And then I think then then I talked to C-Jug, um, to Freddie. Uh, Freddie's here too. He's the podcast guy, right? So anyway, so he was the one who's wonderful. He said, Mary, just do it. You know, nobody's going to judge you. And then I think then, you know, it's good to have somebody encouraging you. So so then I said, well, why not? And And that's how I started talking. And then since then, right? I then started helping more and more C-Drug, and then there was a chance IBM was looking for a Java developer advocate. So I said, oh, why not? Let me try. And then it worked out. So that's how I became. And then I didn't even realize. I started having to talk all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, I really, really like it now. It's just maybe some suppressed I'm, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just... So. 
amazed to hear that you worked on <laughs> firmware for jukeboxes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, very did fun that. fact yeah. about Mary. <laughs> I actually worked on SMTP MTA mail gateway too, like porting from Solaris uh, to 386. Like there was like, actually Sun OS and then to Solaris and then on 386 architecture. So I did that for Lotus Notes. <laughs> Lotus, <laughs> Lotus, right? Company was actually was in an IBM, yeah, IBM company, mm, but they oh, were yeah. porting that SMTP. So oh, kind yeah. of porting stuff is kind of pretty lower level. And actually I had to install the whole Solaris thing onto 386. I'm like, how do I do it? But anyway, so I've done yeah. that too. So. What was your journey to the communication or like being <laughs> outspoken? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Because, I've, I've, yeah, I was thinking while Emily was talking that one of the nicest compliments I, I got from my manager um, was he said, Holly, you don't speak very much, which is sort of similar to, you know, the before story of, of Emily. But he said, because you don't speak very much, when you do speak, mm-hmm. people listen um, and, and they respect what you say. And, and you know, it's sort of a special occasion when Holly speaks. I'll be honest, though. I, th- I think you're, there's a lot to be said for that because when I, I used to be in sales reform salesperson, right? So when I would go into those meetings though, there's always one person in the back who's just sitting there putting you on edge. But I would always look for that person because I'm like, this person is going to tell me like it is. Tell me if it's crazy or make the decision. So when that person speaks, you're like, it's almost like a circle of life moment. You're like, this is what's up. It's very cool. Well, I think um, we've recorded a lot. So I just want to ask one more question. You know, if you had any advice for people who are looking at going into engineering now, we've seen some many colleges are here today that are looking and they're, you know, sophomore, junior, some seniors who are looking for it. You know, what advice would you give to uh, future graduates with computer science degree for their, for their career advice? Uh, I think is, uh, they have to first, is uh, define their interest. They have to be interested in it. And they have to bear in mind that they have to keep learning. If they don't uh, interest if they are not interested in it, if they don't want to keep on learning, they should switch their career. So it's uh, basically it's kind of the uh, one thing, one story I share is uh, I work a lot, basically. It's, it's not like a nine to five stuff. Also, it's a work very flexible. Sometimes I like a work around the family, like a cook a dinner, and then feed the children, and then they go to bed, and then I work again. Then my husband said, "You never stop working. Why?" Like I said, "Oh, that's become my hobby. So I feel like okay, I need to get these things done and just do it. It's not like." It's become a bigger burden, and if something, oh, I need to uh, learn this. It's not like uh, it's a my boss said, Emily, you got to learn this. It's basically it's uh, my own interest. I want to learn it. So it's uh, this is very important. It's great advice. Yeah, Thank you. I think it's going to be interesting to see for people graduating now. I have a hard time giving advice because what they are facing in the next 10 years is going to be nothing, nothing like what I faced because we have AI coming in. Like AI assisted programming is going to be a different animal. It's going to be amazing, but I am, it's like foreign to where I started. Um, The demographics are different. The expected behaviors are different. All of that is awesome. Um, There's a, a young woman that I met, uh, that I'm mentoring at Red Hat and they had, you know,
know, one of the women's, she's like, I don't understand why we have to have these women's program. I'm like, yes, you don't know why that's necessary. Amen. Awesome. Great. That's fantastic. Because I do, but I have the scars on the back and I'm hoping nobody has to deal some of the stuff that we had to deal with a million years ago. So it's great. Like that part's great. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'm, I, I showed, I showed some people earlier, my daughter who's nine texted me today. I sent her a picture sent her a picture of like the room where I have to speak and she writes she sends me back she's nine this perfect perfect little gif no pressure (laughs) (laughs) she's your coach she's my coach right but I just mean like like I know people graduating now like they see the field so differently but what Emily says is absolutely right yeah I think there's wisdom though in what you just said and it's the acknowledgement that so much is different now so totally it's, it's a little different, different difficult to give it's totally different. very prescriptive advice, but you know, there's it's more wide. I would range. say make sure. So this is my thing is um, if you're 20 something, there's only so much, you know, about yourself. You've only been alive 20 years. Mm-hmm. I will also say uh, for all of the women that I know, and I don't know if, if you guys here will agree with me, there's something about hitting your forties where all of a sudden nothing else really matters. Who the hell cares? I am this and just go. I'm praying I make it to that okay. point in my life one day. You know? so, but, but so like I can look back and be like who I was in my 20s and what I wanted and what I thought was important. And then even who I was in my 30s was a little different. And then I've just heard from all like so many of my women friends, they hit 40 and they're like, you guys can't see what the gesture I just made, which is probably better. Said, yes. <laughs> that gesture was to the world <laughs> but it's been very powerful this is yeah. this is a bunch of my colleagues my yeah. women friends who have all said once they once they covered 40 they're like yeah world is mine. my best friend said the so. same thing though but but i would say take the time there's all kinds of um i hate personality tests because they're stupid and i am always between things and i hate them but there's a couple like core values kinds of activities where you pick like you go look at the word lists find the things that resonate with you what your not the company's values or the ethics for the company or whatever but like what what charges your battery and what drains your battery and you should be aware of what those are early in your career there's going to be a whole bunch of things that you're going to have to do some of them are not going to be pleasant because you have to prove you can do the thing Correct. You can't just expect you're going to be Mr. Manager because, hey, it's your first day and you're like, yeah, that sounds right. what I you, want. You can't you gotta earn it. Yeah, exactly. So you do have to show some of that, but you should. it helps if you're aware. This is what makes it easier for me. If I can align it with this, yeah, I did the this Gallup goal testing. of mine, right, then, then I'm a little more uh, engaged and, you know, I can make it worth it and it's not just a drag. Yeah. Uh, so that I would like advise that kind of thing. Just know that when you're in your twenties, you have only maybe some idea of who you actually are. And that's fine. That's fine. You're only 20. It's great. (laughs) Holly. Yeah. I think it's about finding the balance between, I I sometimes had jobs where it wasn't working for me, but I thought if I just try harder, it will work. And actually with hindsight, I should have left those jobs. And if you, if you don't love your job, your job often doesn't love you. So it was sort of a real kicker because at the end of the year, I'd get my performance appraisal and they'd be like, well, yeah, you're a bit terrible. I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. I suffered through this job that I didn't really like working really hard. The least you could have done is given me, but it, I think it was obvious to everybody around me, right? That it wasn't the right role. Yeah. So it's, but of course, as Aaron says as well, you can't just expect it to be like, there's never any effort and there's never any tedium, you know? So it's like, how do I find the right balance between okay, this is the necessary amount of like dishwashing and 
you know, that kind of you versus, find your boundary. Yeah. Versus actually, no, this is too much. And I need to be brave and make the change to find something that fits better for me. Wise words. Mary, bring us home. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's definitely true. Just not be fearful. I suppose if there's something you kind of know too, somehow if that's your calling somehow, right? And it, it takes a while, like Aaron is saying too. When you're in your 20s, you're not quite sure. But it it's definitely, I feel right as I'm getting older, I do feel there's a calling. I'm going there, but I might take me a couple tries to kind of your get there. Your path is your yeah. own. Yeah, it's your own. And and don't let other people affect you if if. You know, if that's what you've set your goals to, and just uh, don't give give up, right? Just follow your inner voice. I think I, I feel. Yeah, yeah cause I've had uh, some job moves yeah. where sort of the people around me advise me, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 definitely, definitely don't do that." And yeah. it turned out to be a really great job moves. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, you just have to know your yourself. Yeah, yeah, but it takes time to kind of become. Yeah, thank I know we've got time, but thank you all so much for taking the time to do this. This means a lot to me because thank I you. never get the opportunity to sit down. Yeah. With so many um, seasoned veterans, I should say. Very definitely with the seasoning. Well marinated. Yes. Yes. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Wicked Good Development, brought to you by Soundotype. Our show was produced by me, Katie Craig. If you value our open source and cybersecurity content, please share it with your friends and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Check out our transcripts on Sonatype's blog and reach out to us directly with any questions at wickedgooddev at sonatype.com. See you next time. Bye.